Welcome to the Jesus the Game Changer podcast from Olive Tree Media, hosted by Carl Faze. In today's podcast, Sister Claire Nolan talks about the impact of Mary Aikenhead and the Sisters of Charity, both in Ireland and Australia. Sister Claire, we want to explore the background of the Sisters of Charity and started by with Mary Aikenhead. Tell us a bit about Mary Aikenhead. Mary Aikenhead was an Irish, a woman who came from Ireland, uh, actually from Cork in Ireland. She came from a quite well-off family and was a very social woman. She had great love for the poor. She called the poor God's nobility and she caught that love from her father who was an apothecary, as they called it in those days. And he would go on his rounds out into the, in, in Cork at that time, out into the people's homes that were quite poor and he would assist them, give them pain relief. When was this? This was 18, well, before 1815. Our congregation was founded in 1815. So this was in the 1800s. What was her motivation in starting the sisters? Because she actually wanted to join another uh, order, but there wasn't an option. She had this love for the poor and also she wanted to be part of women who went out into the streets. And at that time in Ireland, there were 112 male, female, religious in Ireland and they were all enclosed. So Mary wanted to join an order uh, that was out in the streets. We were called the walking nuns. So enclosed means you just stay together and... Stay together and pray and and, and do good works and, uh, you know, effect effect change in the world. Whereas we wanted to be contemplatives in in action. Really, I guess our mandate is um, chapter 25 of um, Matthew where, you know, to give water for those who are thirsty and to serve the poor. So now we're a long way from Dublin here in Sydney. So how did the Sisters of Charity get from Dublin and and be acting in Sydney? Look, Mary went to um, Archbishop Murray at the time and said to him, I want to join an order that will serve the poor. And he said, well, I think you'll have to start one. And uh, very humbly, uh, Mary said, I am not worthy, I, can't, I cannot do it. And he said, let's get you trained. She went over to um, Bar Convent in York and she was trained, and that was the Loretto sisters. So she was trained in the way of religious life and she came back to Ireland. And in 1815, she established the Sisters of Charity. Now they were very, very poor times in, in Ireland and she really, got her friends who who had influence and who were well off to work with her. She always looked at what is the need? And then she wanted to meet those needs. So she was she was just driven by the love of Jesus. She uh, Dives and Lazarus was the um, passage of scripture when she was a young girl. See, she wasn't a Catholic; she was a convert. When she was a young girl, she heard a, a sermon on Dives and Lazarus, how the poor were treated, how the rich were treated, and she she was converted. She became a Catholic at about age 13 and her father was a non-Catholic, her mum was a Catholic. So she was busily establishing the Sisters of Charity and she received a letter from Bishop Polding here in Australia asking if 
some sisters could come out to this God-forsaken place of Australia and uh, work in Parramatta in, in the female factory. And uh, Mary, at great cost to the congregation, it was really struggling, uh, chose five sisters. Can to you come imagine to what Australia. it must have been like for those five sisters arriving? I and have. What year did they arrive? 1838. Wow. I have absolutely no idea. They arrived on the 31st of December. Imagine, all in black and, uh, you know. And as soon as they arrived, they were taken off. They were on the Francis Bait for over six months. They were taken to the bishop's residence, hopefully had a bath or whatever, to midnight mass on the 31st of December and then started visiting in the hospitals and um, in people's homes. But then they went out to Parramatta to the female factory. Now, these were the first female first, religious order in Australia? First women religious in Australia, wow. yes. And so they, what they did was do, actually like visit the jails, visit people in need? Yes, yes. And when they went out to Parramatta, very small cottage, you can imagine going from Sydney Cove to Parramatta, um, they noticed that the women in the prisons just had no respect, no dignity. They were in this horrible grey um, gowns. So, and, and they did manual labour, hard manual labour. So they went to the governors and said, look, you know, let us teach them how to sew. Let us get coloured clothes for them. Let us give them dignity. And uh, the women's attitude changed within years and the whole respect and dignity um, just shone through them, you know. Wow. They so they had the same motivation as Mary Aiken had. They had the same motivation. Our charism is about sharing the love, tenderness and concern of Christ with all, seeing Christ in everyone, especially the poor and the marginalised. That's what they brought from Ireland with them. Now, when they arrived in Australia, Bishop Polding's um, motivation, he was a Benedictine uh, male, religious, and so he wanted us to take the Benedictine rule. They had the rule of Mary Aikenhead and they were absolutely committed to living out that charism and that rule and it caused, caused great trouble. We're looking at in this episode around St Vincent's Hospital. So what was the start? Who started St Vincent's Hospital and when did it start? Now it was one of those first five sisters, 1858. Three, apparently, three of our sisters, it was in the influenza um, period in, here in Australia, and three of our sisters was, were very ill with, with influenza, and this Alicia De Lacey said, we need to build a hospital. Now they had, those five sisters knew Mary Aikenhead, so they had the experience of Mary Aikenhead starting the first St Vincent's Hospital in Dublin, and they once again had great supporters, um, men and women who wanted to work with the sisters, so they had a bazaar, and they raised money. They bought a home in Potts Point called Tarmons, and then they established, I think they established the male ward first, which is very interesting, but they had more female, and then uh, so many, uh, about a year later, they established the female ward down at Tarmons in Potts Point, which is now our college, St Vincent's College. So Tarmons, wasn't, it was aimed at the poor? Was it, was it aimed across the board? It was, it was to serve the poor, and not to be discriminating of race, colour, creed, religion. 
We're seeing the size of St Vincent's Hospital now, and it is so far from Tarmons. I mean, what was the sort of size of Tarmons? The size of Tarmons, I think they had in their first year 81 male patients and 90 female patients. That was quite a yes. lot. And the patients in those days had lead poisoning and tuberculosis and ulcers and a lot of poverty, you know. Um, and those sisters, they were absolutely determined to have high quality care, focusing on the patients, going out, getting the poor, getting the needed. It's really interesting reading the, the, the history. Once the patients got well enough, the sisters made them work. So they had to work when they were in hospital, you know, but when, it cost them nothing. Yeah. When did they move to this site? Um, I think within a few years of um, Tarmons because they outgrew Tarmons and uh, the government gave them a um, grant of land up here. And, and then once again, those sisters identified the need had wonderful lay people right from the very beginning. I did my nurse training at uh, the Mater Hospital in Brisbane, which is run by the Sisters of Mercy. And when I was a young student nurse, age 17, the nuns ran all the departments, the wards, the theatres, the x-ray, they did night duty, they did day duty. We, we, the student nurses, were the only lay, apart from the doctors, uh, people in the hospital. The Sisters of Charity have never been like that. They've always had um, lay men and women working with them, catching the mission and ensuring that it continued. So they had, you know, Plunkett, who was, um, I think he was the um, QC at the time, and he was the secretary of this bazaar uh, where they raised this, oh, yes. this, this money, you know, to, to start St Vincent's Hospital. So they had wonderful people working with them. Now, it's, it's been uh, how many years? A hundred and... hundred and fifty, must be nearly 160 yes. years. Mm. So the Sisters of Charity, how do you make sure you just don't become another medical kind of group of people running a hospital where medicine is the issue? Look, the most, the important thing for us as women religious, we take four vows. We have um, poverty, chastity and obedience. And our fourth vow is service of the poor. Now, Mary Aikenhead insisted on us having that uh, fourth vow of service of the poor. So I, uh, to us, the Beatitudes are our identity identification card, as the Pope said to the youth just the other day, and that chapter 25 of Matthew, you know, going out, serving, serving the poor, identifying the needs, looking at the signs of the times. So our sisters, along with men and women, have always been able to identify the needs. Now, for 150 years, the Sisters of Charity were in charge of the hospitals and the schools and our social services. And then a very wise leader at the time, Sister Mary Maguire said, we can't continue doing things the way we're doing them. We had the call of Vatican II that told us to go back to our foundress to look at our, um, her vision and, and, and her mission and, and, and really identify with that. So for 150 years, we did everything exactly the same. We had to look at doing things differently. We either had sisters in leadership who didn't want to be there, who wanted to be out 
in the streets and serving the poor, or we had sisters in leadership who we were putting there just for the sake of having a sister in leadership. So over those 25 years, we had to look at doing things differently, never ever erring from our charism of you know, sharing that love, tenderness and concern of Christ with all and seeing Christ in all whom we meet. So we had very, the first thing we looked at was setting up companies limited by guarantee, which was very big news for us to do, you know. We had 21 healthcare facilities, so we set up 21 boards and then they were all vying with each other and we thought, oh my God, this is, this is too tough for us. You know, we were the members of the company. So then we looked at um, national governance, regional management and trying to get our sisters to understand that our role was changing and we became the storytellers. We became the support for our lay leadership and we had to ensure that they were formed and that they were committed to this story of Mary Aikenhead and our foundation. Now that's been 25 years and it's been a very rocky road at times, but we today are absolutely delighted with our leaders, both in health and education and social services. And we have established this new public juridic person called Mary Aikenhead Ministries that will carry on our ministries when we're not able to do so. Well, how do, on a practical basis, how do you impact St Vincent's Health, Vincent's Hospital with the love of Jesus personally or as a group look, day to day? Look, we get up in the morning, we have, you know, we, we have what, what we call our meditation, each sister individually. Um, and um, we, we do spiritual reading, you know, and uh, that's what motivates us. Mm. Jesus, Jesus is, is, is the lover and giver par excellence, you know, and it's who are the poor for me today, you know, could be one of our own sisters in our community who's struggling, or it could be our CEO who's struggling with um, bad press or or, or whatever. So it's just to identify that need every day. And, um, and it's a wonderful vocation. It's, it's just, you know, you get out of bed of a morning and you think, what a gift to, to, to be totally able to put all your heart and mind and, and um, being into seeing Christ in all whom you meet. Of course, we fall at times and fail. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's a wonderful vocation. Let me go back on your story. So when did you start as a Sister of Charity? Um, I was 21 years of age in 1964. And I'd just finished my nurse training, as I said, with the Sisters of Mercy at the Mater Hospital in Brisbane. And all of my friends, they were either getting engaged or they were going to do their midwifery. And I was sort of thinking, hmm, what is it in me that's not wanting to go with them to do their midwifery? I had a little bit of a, a, um, a niggle within me. Um, I was on night duty, actually, uh, before I finished my nurse training. And I went to the chapel at the, at the um, supper break. And um, I just sort of thought, what do I really want to do? I so loved nursing and I thought, 
that night I thought, you know, I'd like to be absolutely, totally able to give my life to God to serve in the healing ministry of Christ. And then I thought, well, how can I do that? I need to go and have a talk to one of our sisters. I was educated by the Sisters of Charity at Ashgrove in Brisbane. So I went and had a yarn to one of my wonderful teachers and I told her about this, but I said, I can't say anything to my mother because mum, I don't think she'll be very happy about all this. And she said, maybe you'd like to have a talk to our congregational leader. She's coming up soon. And I spoke and here it's I a am big choice. today. It was a big choice. It was a wonderful choice, actually. Um, and I, mum was so distressed. And I said, mum, look, I'm only going to give it a go. I'll come and see. And she said, oh, oh, she said, you won't come and see. You'll stay. I bet you stay. And I said, no, no. And what about your friends? You know, I said, mum, my friends will still be here and they'll still come visit you. And um, yes, I mean, I've had my ups and downs, but yeah, it's a wonderful life. Uh what did, what did it look like? You moved to Sydney from Brisbane? Moved, moved to Sydney from Brisbane, went to Warunga, which was a very um, different place to where I'd come from in, in Ashgrove in Queensland. And it was two and a half years. You had six months where you were called a postulant. And I guess that was our opportunity to see if that's really what what we wanted, just early days, you know, you were formed in the rule and just the way of life of, of a religious. And um, after six months, you were clothed. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful ceremony with the clothing. And this stays in my mind about how Mary Aikenhead called the poor gods nobility. You were given a apron on your clothing day, which meant you were clothed in the habit and received to a novice for the next stage. You were given by a poor child an apron, which was the apron of service, which you were to wear, and you were given a key because of God's nobility. How you treated the poor, they would open. That would be the key to heaven, and they would be very generous. And I always remember that. Um, a that symbol, symbol of service and, and, and love, actually, that will get us into heaven. That's been your life <laughs> it's been over my these life. years? Mm, yes, yeah. yes. Um, because I was a, a trained nurse before I entered, after, after we finished the two and a half years, we did 12 months theology, and then I came up here to St Vincent's Private. It wasn't the St Vincent's Private it is today. It was a three-storey uh, private, lovely old building and uh, so I was in the healing ministry ever since I've been professed. So as, as somebody in your ministry you don't see yourself um, as a medico, it's seeing yourself as a healing ministry of Jesus. Mm, yes, yes. And so it's, it's more than medicine. It's more than medicine. It's, it's creating healthier communities for the love of Christ. Yes. What has it been like for you in the interaction? Because obviously to build these facilities, it's, it's millions of dollars. Mm, mm. Um, have you become used to encouraging people to give you millions of dollars? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a very humbling experience. I'm not a good uh, fundraiser. But um, 
I, the director of finance in, in, in one of the facilities where I used to work, I used to say to him, Arthur, look at, look at, these, look at this figure of money that we have to borrow or, or, or whatever. And he used to say, Claire, just think of a telephone number and add a couple of noughts, you know. <laughs> but it's, um, Mary Aiken had had great trust in divine providence. God will provide. She used to say, just because it's never been done before, doesn't mean it can't be done now. And the situation of St Vincent's over in Dublin, you know, she had no money and her best friend was a woman uh, called uh, O'Brien, was a surname, Mary O'Brien. And she worked with Mary Aikenhead. She was a lay lady and her best friend. And when she bought this house and it all fell around her and she said, good, we'll have to build a proper hospital. She, she said, I can't support you in this. This is over the top, you know, this is really beyond anything. So she went to Archbishop Murray, she had a lovely relationship with people, you know, and she said um, that her friend had, had, had couldn't support her anymore and what did he think? And he said, no, no, that, she had great courage and great vision. If that's your vision, you know, God will provide and God did provide. St Vincent's Dublin is still there today. So that, I caught that, you know, and you, you would get very nervous. I would get very nervous. And, um, and our sisters wouldn't have thanked us if we were in leadership and we were not looking at why we were here to serve the poor, identify the needs. The very early example of um, the Sisters of Charity, there was a man who came to St Vincent's Hospital and he was diagnosed with cancer and he was sent home to Bega to die. And uh, at Bega, the gentleman and his family were saying, call themselves Sisters of Charity. They've sent him home to die. They, they're not even interested in caring for him. A sister here at St Vincent's heard that remark, it fed back to her, and she spoke to the, the, um, the board, the advisory council that was here, and said, we need to set up a hospice for the dying. So the Sacred Heart Hospice, which is still here today, was established. So over the, over the centuries, that's what the Sisters of Charity have done, looked at reading the signs of the times, what were the needs, looking at the first non-medical detox centre, the first hospice, the first heart-lung transplant. These were the needs and the HIV-AIDS um, epidemic. So we were very blessed to be able to serve those poor and So needs. for you, in some ways, these, these are all medical problems, mm. but, but there's a motivation that says we're following Jesus in this. Yep, yeah. Jesus, Jesus is the lover and giver, and, uh, and, and, and Jesus is our example. That's all that he was in interested in, building the kingdom, serving the poor, the Beatitudes, and then I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was hungry and you fed me. Going out, going out to the margins. Our, we have um, a chapter every six years where we look at our um, vision and our focus and we elect a new congregational leadership team. And our chapter statement, for we only had that in December, um, where women of contemplatives in action, going out to the margins, living the joy of the gospel, serving the poor, cooperating with others, you know, um, and that's what gets us out of bed each morning. There'll be a lot of people watch this, Sister Claire, and think, wow, she joined 
the Sisters of Charity at 21 and, and there'll be a sense of she's missed out on a whole bunch. How do you see your life oh, all these years later? Yes, no, I come, I, I'm very blessed. I come from a big family. I, I had a sister who had 15 children, <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, and so I've got beautiful nieces and nephews but along with that, I've got all the people that I've ministered with, all the nurses that we've trained over the years. It's just been such a rich and wonderful life. I would never have had this life if I had been a laywoman, finished my nurse training at the Mater in Brisbane. Um, my life would never have been as fulfilling as, as it is as a woman religious and as a sister of charity, I would never have had the opportunities. We're celebrating 200 years of Mary Aikenhead founding our congregation and 16 of us went over to Ireland and walked in the footsteps of Mary Aikenhead and then all sisters of charity all over the world gathered together at a mass on the 15th of August. It, it was wonderful just to think all over the world, her charism 200 years on, We've st stood on the shoulders of all those women over all those years and now our lay staff continue that on today. It, it was just a wonderful experience and you know, each day, each day when I get up in the morning I thank God for my vocation. Yeah. This series is called Jesus the Game Changer. For you, Sister Claire, how is Jesus the Game Changer? Jesus, Jesus is, is the game changer for me. You never know when you get out of bed of a morning. Um, but, but just Jesus's life, the poor, the needy, the disadvantaged, never, never counting the cost. Unconditional love, right up till the cross. Greater love than this no one hath, that he give his life for his friends. And uh, that's, my, that's my motivation. Jesus is my life. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the radio, video and podcast ministry of Olive Tree Media, visit olivetreemedia.com.au forward slash donate.